Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan, and this is yet another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. How are you doing, Marty Moo? Good. I'm good. I slept. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's it's amazing when I can do those two things. What was the second one? Getting up. Oh, right. And getting up. Mm, mm. That's pretty much all. But how are you? I'm good. I also slept. Uh, I've got a cold sore right now, so I'm feeling super sexy. And um, yeah, life is good. Smile of yours. <laughs> it's so infectious. Yeah. Had, uh, every day, this is a big deal for us. Like every day we get up and we're like, did you sleep? Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge deal for us because we've both had experiences with not sleeping. Yeah, we're not great sleepers. It's not among our among our top skills, is it, Marty? No, I keep reading about these sailors who can fall asleep instantly. Yeah. It's a thing you get when you're a sailor, I've read. Yeah, better to do it, though, in your bed than, you know, on top of the mast. In a rotting hammock in the belly of a three-mast sloop. Is that, what are you trying to figure out, my name? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I can't sleep, I just listen to novels about Sea going at very slow speeds. <laughs> sloop. Okay. Sloop is a good word. Sloop is an excellent word. I sleep on a sloop. <laughs> There's a really good song in that. All right. So, um, yeah, uh, in your deeper heart of hearts, where mm. you do your big work, what are you trying to figure out? I do my big work in my secret yeah. heart of hearts. Aw. Um, <laughs> I'm always just trying to figure us out and our strange ways and how, um, you know, we in our family, in our little house in the woods, you know, how weird actually are we? That's Very that's usually weird. what I'm trying to figure yeah. out. So a few days ago, um, <laughs> I'm and I'm really sorry about this, Muddy. I'm really sorry I am this way, but huh? um, we had an interaction and I just had to say, Marty stopped singing that one line from that one song. Oh, yeah, I remember this. The shame burns. It burns. I'm sorry. Bro. I'm sorry, but there was just, and it was, 
and I also kind of burst out in it with it in a rude way because I just yeah, couldn't more anymore. Like, yeah, down. that it very much came out that way, and <laughs> um, and I am really sorry. But in fairness, it was like one of the most boring lines of the. I can't remember what line it was now, but it's not. It was like one of the procedural lines of the song, not like the you know, yay, let's resing that. You were just like <laughs> focused on some of the admin. <laughs> and um, and so then I said, you said, oh, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm sorry. I did well for the first hour and I didn't say anything. And I did. And then you said, I'm so sorry. And I said, I just couldn't handle the repetitions. And you said, me too. And I loved that moment because I was like, oh, my God. And I, and I suddenly thought, wow, Marty, we're actually sharing this, the two of us right now. And I said, I said to you, so we're actually both being terrorized by the same person thinking, yeah, you're terror. You're not just terrorizing me. You're also terrorizing yourself. And you just went, yeah. And then with this like evil that rarely shows up in your voice, you just said three words that I've never heard said before and never expected to from you. You just went, fucking Tracy Chapman <laughs> I was, I was, that's wrong I I would I did not mean that I love that for you we were both being terrorized by Tracy Chapman well, whenever when anyone this one line thinks up a really great song and then gives it great lyrics and then sings it in a great way so that uh -huh. it sticks in your head and you cannot not think it right and then you end up with it ha having to be medically removed from your head that's not yeah. my fault right fucking Tracy Chapman. Sorry about my language, but Stop writing such great freaking songs and then singing them in such a great way. Fast car. I mean, it's it's a masterpiece. It's Fast classic. car. I, I mean, now get ready for another week of it because it's in my head again. <laughs> and you'll just be like, so I quit school. <laughs> so I quit school. Very strange. I don't think we have to pay her a royalty for that. Little... Like 400 years, I finally quit school. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to figure out, Marty Moo? Oh, Lord. This is just shame upon shame because I was singing that song in a way that was like galling and horrifying to my darling, darling partner. And then my own thing is also shameful because I went on a podcast, a popular podcast. <gasps> you cheated on Bewildered? I did. I went on a podcast <sighs> called Go Ask Allie with Allie Wentworth. Oh, who is great. one of the most brilliant, hilarious women in the world. If you haven't watched her podcast or listened to it, go listen. And her friend was on, and her friend is Mariska or Mariska Hargitay, who plays Olivia Benson on Law & Order. SVU. Not SUV. I have to always say not <laughs> Law & Order. <laughs> dun, dun. There's a very big car and it burns gas. In the criminal justice system, <laughs> off-road vehicles are considered particularly elusive. The Priuses have to investigate their, their use of fossil fuels. The dedicated officers who chase them through the subways of New York. <laughs> SUV thing centered in New York. And now I don't know if her name was Mariska or Mariska because it's spelled Mariska. I thought I heard Ali say Mariska. I said Mariska through the whole thing. And usually the thing is, Usually I can let things go, but I was so infatuated with these two women. Like they are, they're great. They're so smart and so fun. 
I'm feeling a bit threatened by, by this new and, relationship. Um, you've I had a cup of water. Like right now I have a Tic Tac in my mouth because it keeps my mouth from going dry. But I was like, I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to, I'm just going to do this one naked. I'm just going to go without a Tic Tac. So then it starts. But, my but with, but with clothing? No, I never wear clothing on, only on this right. podcast do I wear clothing. No, I'm still naked under all these. Anyway, um, <laughs> Then it started and my mouth goes so dry. As soon as I realized how cool they both were, I got really nervous and my mouth went so dry and I'm like, I've got to grab a Tic Tac. But I couldn't like, I was, I couldn't like start feeding myself on camera. So I had a little cup of water. I thought I would give myself a drink. And I raised my hand and I was trembling like an aspen leaf in the fall. And so I kept lifting my cup and thinking, I can't drink it without like literally spilling it in my face. So I would put it down as if it didn't matter. And then I'd pick it up because I could not talk. I was like, <laughs> and finally, I just had to have water. So I raised the cup as far as I could without trembling convulsively and spilling. I kind of pushed, like I tried to reach it with my lips, like extending my lips outward. And so my head is shaking, my hand is shaking, my lips are reaching. It's like some sort of weird monster movie where like the monster is trying to suck someone's blood. <laughs> Mariska and Allie are trying to like not notice, but they can't get And I'm like spilling water and then I put it down and that, but I was done and it's on camera and I, I can't sleep. Well, I did sleep, but I couldn't that night because the waves of shame. Oh waves my gosh. I love that so much. It was so brilliant. And I was like some crazed evil plant from Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> I love the idea of you thinking, well, my <laughs> my my cup of water's on the table. So instead of lifting it to my mouth, I'm gonna make my lips extend. <laughs> From my head, my whole head was like off camera <laughs> while being interviewed and talking. Yes, about about the difficulties of aging. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't end up talking about that anyway. I don't even remember what we talked about, but they were brilliant, and I was an idiot. That is uh, I'm sure it went great. I am yeah. absolutely like 110% sure it went great because I know what you're like. I know what you're oh, like when you show up naked and then fall in love with the interviewers. Yeah. It's true. Oh, it's well. True. We'll be right back with more Bewildered. I have a favour to ask. You might not know this, but ratings and reviews are like gold in the podcasting universe. They get podcasts in front of more faces, more eyes, more ears, all the bits that you could have a podcast in front of. That's what they do. So it would help us enormously if you would consider going over to your favorite podcasting app, especially if it's Apple, and giving us a few stars, maybe even five, maybe even six. If you can find a way to hack the system, I wouldn't complain. And um, a review would be also be wonderful. We read them all and love them. So thank you very much in advance. Let's just go out there and bewilder the world. Mwah. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. 
So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Uh, All right. So, well, I think, you know, we've got plenty to be working on, but today we're doing something a bit different for Bewildered. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a special kind of episode. It's not a bit Wild Files episode as such. Um, we don't actually have a name for this kind of episode, although we have done it a few times. Um, I guess if I had to find a name for, for what we're doing here, it would be something like Rose Cry for Help. <laughs> Um, so, all right. So here's the deal. Sometimes as I'm sure our listeners can imagine, I go to Marty and I just go, can you fix me? I have a problem. And this has come up. It regularly comes up. And sometimes the problems that I have, are weird and individual and, and I won't be sharing those with you, but then there's this one that, that, that recurs and, I know this isn't just me. I know that other people have this. So I thought let's save it and let's do it. I come hat in hand to Marty. Hat in hand or is that asking for money? I just want to be humble. Hey, just bring some item of clothing. I choose a sock. I come here. Sock on hand, like a little puppet going, help me, help me, Marty. Help me with (laughs) my weird sock on your hand. It's like, oh no, she's falling apart. (laughs) That's my, that's my emotional support sock. Um, All right. And and look, I will also say as a disclaimer that we have talked about this kind of thing before, but the fact that it keeps coming around for me and it's all about me. Um, tells me that this is kind of a pervasive cultural thing. Yeah. So I'm prepared to go out on a limb and say I'm not the only one stressing out about this issue. So, Marty, to kind of get us rolling on this yeah. topic, can you tell our listeners what happened yesterday in our house? Yes. Um, a virus ran abroad, ran rampant through the household, not COVID, thank God, but something that made us feel very sick for a day or two or three. Lila, of course, gave it to all of us. And then- Thank you, Lila. Yeah, thank you, Lila. And um, yesterday we had no energy and we lay about having slept, but waking up feeling absolutely crappy, trying to get the day going. It didn't really work. And then you did come to me sock on hand and say- Am I going to just dwindle into the grave and leave Lila motherless and never accomplish anything in my life? Yeah, because of course. (laughs) Are you just realizing (laughs) this now? Yeah, I have like a thing where when I don't have access to a lot of physical energy, which does happen periodically for me, um, which we've also talked about before. (laughs) um, I it's that like where you universalize it where. Right now, I have no physical energy. Therefore, I will never again 
It's like when you're depressed as well. Like it's that same thing where it's like I will never be happy again and I never have been happy. So yesterday it was like I don't have any physical energy and I never have ever in my life. I have never stood up. (laughs) I I have have never like strolled about or done a single bit of work and, of course, it ended up focusing on work because that's the bloody culture coming in. Well, you did the fear of bad parenting as well as work. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, yeah, so that's where I was. I was just like, and and what it culminated in and is what is still there, even though I feel a lot better today, is the classic, that old chestnut, I'm not getting enough done. Oh, so, God. Marty, will you please help? Help me, Marty, help me. Help me. Um, Fox says, help me, Marty, please, please. First of all, I have to, um, just for those of you who are feeling sick and have your sickness glasses on, it is true that whatever state you're in, it seems to generalize. And in in your defense, at the moment, the person who is saying that at that moment in time is like, has no past and has no future. You're just very present. So it's it's a different you. And it reminded me of a story, a joke um, about a lion and a mouse. And the, yes. So the lion is sleeping and the mouse tiptoes past it. And the lion wakes up and goes thump and traps the mouse's tail under its big paw. And then, yeah. And then it picks the mouse up in its claws and it dangles the mouse in front of its massive head. And it says, oh my God, you are the puniest most pathetic, weakest creature I have ever seen in my life. And the mouse looks at the lion and says, I've been sick. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I feel most days of my life. Anyway. Hang on, but I I feel like there's a problematic moral to this story because the mouse thinks that she's just being sick. sick What I'm telling you is you are as weak and puny as you appear when you're really sick. That's, yeah, that's what I'm taking from it. It's a cultural reinforcement of the general message, which is that we're all supposed to have tons of energy all the time. Right, and And this is what the culture says about getting enough done, right? Yes, get a lot done, a lot done, a lot done. I remember when I used to, um, I I stopped reading self-help books at a certain point in my life, and I, I mentioned this, one of my children said to me, uh, that's because you self-helped. You stopped reading self-help because you self-helped. But back when I used to read self-help books, I remember one that was about this woman who was always, always doing something. She would she would travel a lot for work and on the plane, she would not relax. She would either work or she would read books about the place where she was going. And she always arranged to have a driver from the area, a historian and historian, pick her up, drive her around the town or country or whatever it was learning information about it, then she would go to the opera or she would go to the, she would go somewhere and take in more information. And then she would get up in the morning and do more. And she would, she only slept five hours a night because that's the way you sleep five hours a night and you're doing things the rest of the time. And we haven't traveled very far from that being the advice that was given specifically in this book. And. Oh, I don't, I think if anything, we're traveling in the opposite direction. You think so? Same. Oh, yeah. I think that's, oh, I think those messages are stronger than ever. Say more. Like Do what all- is hitting you? Because I, so- I don't no longer look at social media, for example. But Yeah, yeah. And that's oh, where it all busy. is. 
that's where it all is. It's just, it's, it's unremitting. Like I'm thinking of like podcast bros and just how, you know, you have to be all over the stock market. Don't go to a restaurant and think, how can I afford this meal? Go to a restaurant and say, I'm going to buy this restaurant. And, you know, like just that. And then, you know, do get up at, you know, like 2am, half an hour before you go to bed and all of that. And, um, oh, actually in the show notes, we should link, um, to the five Yorkshiremen. I think it's called, there's a Monty Python skit. Oh, right. About this that <laughs> yeah, we, I remember that we that. Must, That's good. must do. Um, and yeah, but it's just even more like achieve, do, do, create, do, do, do. make, produce, 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 produce. And produce. you know what? We're all held to the standard of people who are freakish by nature. And I refer to our friend Liz. I do. <laughs> because um, she is freakishly productive. And like, energetic. Energetic. Like she did this. Uh, a 30-day walking tour through France. She walked like 20 miles a day, finished it, and then the next day was in St. Louis doing a, um, like in Missouri. It's Missouri, right? Yeah. Saint, uh, Louisville? I don't know where she was, but she was in the American Midwest. Louisville, doing, I think, is Kentucky. Louisville. I almost missed a plane once because I thought I was going to Louisville, and it's Lovell. But... Um, like, and then she was giving this speech and then she was, and then I wrote to her and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to draw things. I'm going to draw a picture every day. Three days later, she emailed me back a 76 card tarot deck that she had drawn and labeled publishable quality, all 76 laid out that she had done because I said, I'm going to draw one picture. <laughs> so Liz, Liz, Liz. And she feels weak because apparently in her family, people are like, made of titanium and never break down and just do incredibly high quality work all the time. And it's Maybe very why she likes us. She just comes to our house and we're like, hello. Yeah, I know. Herself. She always ends up coming over and then making us soup. <laughs> so true. We're always just like, we've been sick. She's like, no problem. I just finished another novel in four weeks. I'm going to make you some soup. Then I'm going to go out to the back and build you a tiny house where you can rest. I'll be back in 20 minutes. Boom. And, and it's always like perfect. <sighs> so people like that, I'm just saying, they are able to like live up to the mythology that that's how we should always be. But that's not the problem. It's the mythology that's the problem, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, you go, Liz. We love you and your incredible energy. Um, and there's that thing about how, like, world leaders are often that archetype of people who only need three hours sleep a night and all of that. Like, they often are the ones that can end up with those sorts of unrelenting positions because most of us, well, I mean, you and I wouldn't last Oh, God, Five no. I, I was doing research for a, a novel that I've not yet written because I'm not productive enough. But I was one of the characters was supposed to be the CEO of a company. So I went and I read all this, all these biographies of CEOs, like really successful CEOs. And there was like a competition to see who could sleep the least, like oh. three hours, two hours a night. That's fine. I take a cat nap for 30 seconds at lunch and then I just need two hours at night. It's inhuman and cruel and I think morally wrong but that's absolutely but yeah the culture is what they always say used to tell me at Harvard sleep faster (laughs) 
Uh, all right. Sleep faster. So, yeah, so, everything- so far I'm feeling much better. From what? From, from like- you know, you've given me the advice, sleep faster. You've given me right. an example of Liz Gilbert tromping around France and building tiny houses left, right and centre as she goes. Um, uh, so I think, <laughs> we're, I think we've kind of captured what the culture says about this. Yeah, it's deadlines, it's schedules, it's the general left hemisphere dominant obsession with material acquisition that is part of 21st century capitalism and all capitalism. And it just permeates everything. Yeah, well, I just, for the love of God and all that is holy, can we get to figuring this out, please? Absolutely, right this minute after a break. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your north star so marty in this very special rose cry for help episode help me marty help me um please i hate the feeling that i'm not getting enough done i feel it all the freaking time yeah not just when i'm sick though it gets stronger then (laughs) but um Please help me figure this out right now. Help, help, help. help. Okay. Um, first of all, you have to just listen to a Tracy Chapman song and sing it over and over until you feel so mesmerized. You forget the culture. It really works okay. well. Got um, it. All right. I'm taking notes. I want to tell you a story because this was a turning point in my own life. I was invited to go to a gathering at the home of Norman Lear, who is a legend in American television. He has created like so many great shows he created all in the family that was really progressive. Like he put all these shows on the, on the air that dealt with real issues and they were hilarious, but they helped people bring, um, you know, difficult issues into the public spotlight. And he just made show after show after show. And when I met him, I think he was 97. He's still going strong at least at the time of recording. And he was working. Like I, I met him and he was in this room working away on another show and um, there were a group of us, and we'd all got come there to work with Byron Katie, the spiritual teacher. And um, we went into Norman's film screening room. Now, first of all, let me tell you that Norman Lear does not live in Beverly Hills. He lives on an entire Beverly Hill. <laughs> this incredible compound. They put me in some place that was by the coach house or something. And I had to walk half a mile to get to the main house. Um, And it's beautiful and it overlooks LA. And then we go into this film screening room and it's huge. And all around the walls are bookshelves, floor to ceiling bookshelves. And in them are couched or ensconced 
countless volumes, bound volumes of scripts of TV shows that mm. Norman created. Okay? Mm -hmm. Changed the culture. There are hundreds of these scripts, thousands. So um, he, we were all sitting around and I was like in awe of him and he's like, working away at 97 in his little straw hat and he's being hilarious and sharp-witted and then we start doing the work with uh, byron katie the spiritual teacher and she says okay so somebody bring up a thought that tortures you and he waves his hand norman lear and he says i just don't get enough done oh my god i've never gotten enough done i can't get enough done oh and i was like okay either i'm going to kill myself right here and now or I'm going to stop thinking that thought because yeah. if he can do what he has done for 97 years and create what he's created and still be dogged by this thought day and night, there is no escape. Like doing is not the way. That's what I realized. Doing enough is not the way out of the fear of not doing enough. Oh, wow. Hang on. Okay. Doing enough is not the way out of the fear of not doing not enough. Not doing enough. No. Wow. Okay. That is that's not amazing. the way to heal this. Can I just, I have a question that's a little bit of a detour, but I'm really curious. So um, I think so, some of our listeners will know about the work of Byron Katie and it's this, this um, right. amazing reprogram your brain um, process for um, sort of neutralizing negative thoughts. And I just wonder, at those sorts of get-togethers, I know you've had a lot of experiences with Katie and and, and watching her work and everything. Mm -hmm. Do people come to her and her work with the explicit agenda of using it to become more productive? Have you ever heard? Because I just oh. wondered, like, is that how people are using her, like, as another hack? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I couldn't answer for them, but I did. It was really interesting that um, she started working with him. And the idea is, could it possibly be true that you have done enough? I mean, it doesn't sound like an earth shaking proposition, but the way she goes at it, it actually like gets at the core structures of the belief and starts to shake it loose. And this, this other very famous dude, a comedian who was in the room, jumped up as Norman Lear is questioning his thought. I didn't do enough. And he said, I've got to get out of here. I won't, I won't get, if I start thinking like that, I'll never get anything done. And he left. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And he also said, I have to stay depressed or I won't be funny. Wow. We see this quite a lot when we start dissecting cultural messages that people are trying to set themselves up in a state of unhappiness, stress, frustration, because there's this belief that, um, that's the only condition under which we can be as productive and as whatever productive, I guess, yeah. as, as the culture um, wants us to be. Remember there was that guy, that banker or stockbroker or something who was saying, always put more on your list than you'll ever achieve and always be stressing out about it. Probably all of them. And then but it's fascinating, isn't it? So, so the comedian was saying, if I start questioning the thought I'm not getting enough done, I really won't get enough done. Ah, oh, wild. That's the whip that keeps me moving forward. And by the way, you know, as he ran out the door, he was like, and I have to stay depressed or I won't be funny. And I remember thinking, you're not that funny. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, now he'll hear this and hate me, but that's all right. I've already shamed myself publicly on the Allie Wentworth podcast. Um, so yeah, people, that's the ego's trick. It goes, here's this thought that will persecute you for the rest of your life. And the biggest danger to you is that if I go away and stop driving you, you will really fail. You need your suffering to achieve what your suffering, what the culture wants you to achieve. This is really blowing my mind open because I can now that like you've put it that way I can just see it everywhere yeah yeah it is everywhere and and the question I would ask you and I would ask anyone I would ask that um that comedian dude I I would ask Norman Lear is doing enough for what what are you headed for where's the finish line Mm. so I'm going to ask you right now yesterday you felt like you didn't get enough done but Done in what way? What is done? When are you okay, done? so we're gonna we're gonna actually do this. Am I gonna, we're gonna do this? All when right. are you going to do be done? So for me, it is there is no done. There is a state in which I am producing regularly to the amount like where it is not a challenge for me to do this weekly be you know like all right so where I get anxious is that I feel like I cannot because I can't rely on my physical energy day in day out to be consistent I feel like I can never plan to um to be reliable to to rely I can never rely on myself to produce anything or keep promises, you know, or, or that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yes. And when will you be, when will you know that's enough? Because I have known you to be very productive in one area and then say, oh, but I didn't do this other thing. We've talked about this too, the contradictory roles and the different things that we tell ourselves we have to do and how they, we do one and then it's still not enough mm. because we haven't done the other so, so when are you actually going to be able to get up one morning and say, oh, I'm done, I'm there, I'm perfect, it's it's going great? Yeah, I mean, I think I would have to have been on a roll for like, I don't know, six months of a perfect attendance record for the various things that I've told myself I'm going to do daily or weekly or monthly. And then I would feel like, all right, I can trust myself. I've held okay. it for six and months. Then, suppose you slip. And now you've got people expecting weekly productivity. You've got people who are writing a little email saying, thank you for doing your sub stack because it really, really made my day. I need this every week. And then you can't do it one week. How do you feel then? Absolutely terrible. Yeah. You create a false economy like I've done with my bird feeders. <laughs> I just keep putting more be- bird seed out, which means more birds come, which means it runs out faster, which means I've got to get more bird-, bird seed out there because the poor things have now reproduced it at a natural level because of the availability of this surplus food. And I have to keep it coming, but it just keeps driving more bird population. It is a Malthusian horror. So you're <laughs> saying that I mustn't send out my weekly newsletters on time or else I'll be setting people's expectations up. Exactly. And 
and they'll become reliant and then they'll have babies who have only ever known a time (laughs) where Roe has a weekly substack day in day out week in week out and then and then they'll they'll die save the damn children Roe. you don't want parents spiritually expiring because they don't get your weekly substack and then their children go unparented it's that's on you (laughs) well i must admit i hadn't seen it that way before (laughs) i'm not saying you don't have to do it weekly what i am saying is there's no done there's no enough there's no there is in the culture there it's an open-ended more 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 i mean look at the way we're consuming the planet more 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 look at the way we want to put money in the bank more more now jeff bezos says to his employees i read this thing where he said every morning wake up terrified that you're not doing enough and terrified that the customers won't be pleased and that's how you keep you know being sharp which in that case means being the richest man in the world i think it many points maybe it's the lead changes but like do you want to be the richest person in the world and still wake up terrified every morning and tell your employees to wake up terrified every day of their lives so that more and more and more keeps getting done wow so i refer you i refer you to percy bish Never known how to pronounce that name. Bishi. 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 It's I've always said Bishi. Percy Bishi Shirley, which is really kind of a, it's not the greatest name. I mean, I don't know who his parents were, but Percy Bishi Shirley, you want him to get beaten up at school. Um, the great poem, Ozymandias, remember that? I do, yeah. Speak of it, you classics nerd. I know you do. You tell the story the way it needs to be told. I'll just bugger it up. On it about somebody, a traveler comes from a distant land and he's seen this huge statue um, in the desert, but it's fallen apart. It's just got these stumpy legs, and um, there's an inscription on it, and it, it's in like I will I will render the last few lines. On the pedestal, these words appear. This is a quote: "My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair." Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. So he freaking did it! And it's nothing. It's a desert. Mm. It's a pair of broken legs and an arrogant, narcissistic inscription on a rock. I wonder if he woke up every morning terrified. (laughs) And that's why he got so much done, even though it didn't last. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, actually, that's probably how we got this poem written. <laughs> not oh, not Shelley. Ozymandias. Ozymandias. So the first thing is it's pointless. I mean, if you look at if you zoom out and look at it from a logical perspective, this culture is headed off the edge of a self-destructive cliff. And yeah. all it wants is more, more, faster, faster. To where? To the lone and level sands, to the end of mm. all things. Like there's no finish line. Never enough. It's true. So given that, I have a policy when I am sick and I can't get much done. Okay. And the policy is in the negative. And it goes like this. Don't slap the baby. I've heard <laughs> you say this before. <laughs> I came up with this when we didn't know each other well at all, right? We were living in California mm-hmm. on, on the ranch. No, no, it was just before I arrived to the ranch. You got okay, really so into this. You were brand new when uh-huh. I first got this up. So 
um, I was sitting in my little house thinking, I'm not getting enough done. I'm not getting enough done. I'm not getting enough done because I think that every single second of every single day, not anymore, but I used to. And um, I thought this is like mistreating a creature. It's like if you had a baby that could get a lot done, like Lila, she gets mm-hmm. a lot done. She gets a lot done. <laughs> um, she moves everywhere at a run. So you had this baby and it is your productivity and your energy. And it's this innocent, joyful creature like all little babies should be, should be allowed to be. And it's it doesn't do the right things at the right times. It stops producing enough for you, the adult. It's like a child in a sweatshop. <laughs> and so when your productivity starts to slip, you go inside your psyche and start bashing it around, mm-hmm. like slapping it. Why aren't you doing more? I mean, what were you thinking yesterday when you were lying there right before you said, Marty, I need advice. What was I thinking? Yeah. What was going on in your head? Um, oh, I was just like running through lists of all the things that I wish I had been able to achieve in the, in the few days previous. Mm-hmm. And, and did you have judgments of yourself? I had, I had some, some choice judgments of myself. Yes. May, may you please share them with us all? <sighs> Useless lazy piece of shit um there was a lot of lazy lazy was a big part of it Mm. um you know worthless uh what are you who do you think you are you know just the the classics i guess my classics classics of this yeah of lots of cultures but really 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 classic of our culture and that the culture is in your head you're using its voice and you're you are lifting its mighty hand and you are slapping the baby inside you half senseless right like there should be you are abusing yourself when you sit around saying you lazy piece of shit just because you're violently ill does not mean you shouldn't get up and i don't know what write a Substack thing or whatever. Cause I said something like, it'll be okay. And you're like, so I just shouldn't write my Substack today. And I was like, wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened. You know, Norman. It would. it would. But I remember I was, I was so pleased with this thought. Don't slap the baby. Like if you feel it. <laughs> so I told these people, I told people about it at the ranch and we all got together for dinner and you had just arrived. Yeah, and you, our friend Boyd was staying there and he was, I think he must have been, we were talking about, you You guys were like introducing me to the sense of, you know, this is what it's like living at the ranch. And, um, and I can't remember what Boyd said, but you came in with, and don't slap the baby as one of the, <laughs> and I had you, never heard this before, but it was very clear that everyone else at the table, like you'd been treating them to this yeah. new phrase. And I think they said, Something like, boy, you you have got to stop slapping the baby. Like you slap the baby constantly. <laughs> and we and we've agreed we don't do that here. <laughs> and I was like, shit, all right. Um, and you know, I'm from Australia and we are an uncouth people. I think that's probably fair to say. And I swear to God, I was absolutely convinced at that moment that <laughs> 
slap the baby with some sort of American slang for masturbation, (laughs) which makes a lot of sense if you think about it. And anyway, so um, that was one of our interesting early misunderstandings. (laughs) Yeah, it was um, a strange way to get. Don't slap that baby, not in my house. (laughs) Slapping the baby, you're here now. That is not something we do here. Oh my god, that's where I grew up, actually. Um, <laughs> seriously, oh my god, I grew up Mormon. I don't know if y'all knew that, but Never there literally it. was a handbook that was passed out, I think, to the young men, which meant like between 12 and 16, um, in Mormonism when I was growing up, and it had ways to prevent yourself from masturbating. Just for the boys, I, I guess they thought girls couldn't do it, but included they included, and I am going to quote the suggestions were you know read from the scriptures, um, work so hard and do so much sports that you're too exhausted. Uh-huh. When you feel the urge, get up, go to the kitchen, and eat a sandwich. <laughs> oh and God. then the last one was, and I am not joking or exaggerating. Tie your hands to the bed frame with a tie so that you cannot move. To me, it's just a little putting a little SM on top of the regular baby sneakers, right? Wow, that is kinky. I I think whoever wrote that handbook had a little too much fun. I think so. Wow, I was expecting you to say, but if you're really, really (laughs) struggling, go find a baby and. (laughs) Slap it. <laughs> oh, no, we, we do not slap her. So here's so there's the whole don't slap the baby. You're torturing yourself. There's no end goal. Like these kinds of thoughts over the years let me slowly, slowly, slowly let go of the fact that I get in my own eyes almost nothing done. I mean, I literally drew one picture and Liz Gilbert did 76. And yet I've heard people come to you and say, how is it that you're so prolific? And I have the key to that, actually. Oh, thank God. Just like schlub a little every few days because that's all I've ever done. Schlub? Schlub, schlub. And I remember when I was schlubbing my way through my PhD program with my, you know, just spawning right, left, and center. Um, <laughs> literally like reading Aristotle while I was in labor. And I was, I got my PhD in sociology and the great sociologist of all time is Max Weber, the German sociologist, Max Weber, as we might call him in America. His name was Max Weber and he wrote massive tomes. He wrote this book called um, Economy and Society that is literally thousands and thousands of pages of tiny. How did he get it done? What? How did he get it done? Here's the thing. I read his biography because I always read the biographies of philosophers and scientists because I think they're biased. Anyway, (laughs) he suffered from what looks in retrospect like bipolar disorder. Hmm. He would get so depressed, he would be productive for a while, and then he would have to go lie down in a dark room for years. He would spend literally years just lying down, no doubt slapping the baby. Probably from time to time. He got these massive things done and he's like the father of sociology. And he's like, and I thought, wow, if he could schlub his way through that, that's okay. And then I heard that Leonard Cohen would take a year to write a song, a single Hmm. song. You know, Leonard Cohen better than I, is that true? I don't know. 
like good songs. You should I wouldn't put it past him. He wrote the, these incredible, transcendent, beautiful poems mm. that are also songs, and he wrote beautiful music too. And he would spend a whole year. And I just think of him as this massively productive songwriter, right? Well, in fairness, I think like Hallelujah at one point had 65 verses. Verses. Oh my God. Yeah. There you go. But still, still in all, he only like one song a year. You'd think that's just nothing. That's what, because the culture tells you that's not enough. But actually the slow accumulation of tiny efforts is what, I'm capable of, and it ends up looking like productivity to other people. i got to write this down. Hang on. Because I'm yeah. genuine here. I'm genuinely in this place, people. So I'm typing this down. Slow accumulation of tiny efforts. Yes. Okay. So write down first what are, you're going, you're, you're racing to nowhere. There's yeah. There. All right. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get a transcript. Yeah. There's no getting it done. You're racing to nowhere. You just want to be Ozymandias, King of Kings. No, 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 no. But also, like, I don't want you to skip over the thing that blew my mind most, which is the way that getting enough done is not the way out of worrying about getting enough done. That is, that to me is the, like, holy crap moment. That is multiplicative. If you are worried about getting things done and you try to make the fear go away by getting things done, the fear multiplies. It gets worse and worse and worse. I promise you. I don't think... I don't think our dogs are especially worried about how much they're getting done. No, but they are worried about something. I think they they feel they have cornered the FedEx man and this time he's going down. (laughs) (laughs) So another poet, Leonard Cohen was a great poet, but Mary Oliver's beautiful phrase, tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Yeah. She said something else in another poem, which I love. She's talking about productivity and she says, no, let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. (sighs) Feel the way that just lets your body go. That's nature talking. She was like bathed in nature her whole life. And she realized that the real point is to stand still and learn to be astonished, to let the world soak into your pores, whatever is happening. You're here to gather, not to produce. You're here to be astonished. Yeah, and you can see how when you read her poetry, how it couldn't possibly exist without extremely long times spent in silence, learning to be astonished and standing still. Yeah, and I recently did my one month of that I, I... defended by doing it as an experiment for a book I'm writing. But I did a month of letting myself just work on what I wanted to. And I sort of watched our two-year-old run around and I started to do things that I did when I was two. I ran around with her. That was helpful. Um, I started drawing, which I'd done a lot when I was two. Um, Listening to stories, audiobooks, stuff like that. All of a sudden, the appetite for doing became this my appetite for doing at my advanced age started to match Lila's like I was a two-year-old again but with decades of experience and a driver's license (laughs) (laughs) holy crap to be two years old and able to do what an adult does and the appetite for doing was voracious and joyful and everything seemed to taste wonderful and I actually sought therapy to get myself out of it because I was I was going to disappear from the culture completely. 
And I did think I want to go back and be with my people, but I don't want to slap the baby. Um, but you, you haven't had that experience of letting it all go. And then mm. seeing that the appetite for doing comes from nature itself, but not, it doesn't do what culture tells you to do. That's fascinating. We, we talked about appetite on another recent episode yeah, and yeah. I wonder, like, I feel like we might be onto something with that, like just following tracks, like that appetite is a, is a, is something that we can sort of use. It's real. It's a, I mean, it, it is the mechanism with which nature says to us, move this way. Right. And, and so, then- and you know, like that, it's that thing that we've said before of, um, you know, wake up terrified, never get enough done that the punishment ethos is the culture and yeah. um, the stick, you know, well, whacking your, your horse with a stick to get it to move. But instead of holding out a carrot, which is what you're saying nature does, is it's just like, here's a delicious carrot. Come over here. And you're in the flow of it. You can't even stop it. And remember what I told you yesterday, don't push the river. It runs by itself. And the little jump you have to take is not into doing, it's into trusting that the river runs by itself. Don't push the river. It runs by itself. And and trusting that when you said that, that was when I was like, all right, we're doing the podcast on this because that's freaking Brilliant. And just getting to these last few things, like stand still and learn to be astonished. Don't push the river. It runs by itself. And then everybody says, but you got to pay the rent. Here's the thing. I have been so sick and crippled in my life that I've had to do this over and over and over again. And life has taken really good care of me. And I she's, can't push the river. And she's not full of shit about this. Like I, I see her. She, she actually, she genuinely has like physical issues that that make getting a lot done hard she lives this it's it's something to see and I'm very grateful that I get to benefit from your wisdom Marty thank you and uh I I just hope that soon you can stop slapping the baby so much I will never (laughs) it's taking too much time out of your day (laughs) anyway I hope that people out there can identify with this it's it's a pressure we're all feeling all the time and so I thought and let's just go through it with each other the way we do and then the peoples can come listen. I think that um, there's a lot of people who will get as much uh, out of this conversation as I have. So thank Aww. you very much. Thank Marty. you, Rowie. Just stay Rowie and all of you stay you and stay, stay wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. We're also on Instagram. Our handle is Bewildered Podcast. You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review and stay wild. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need 
a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think and the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBeck.com and you'll find your way.